Hey, this is J Dub with Fantasy Sports Collective, fscollective.com. Um, I'm excited to be here. This is uh, podcast number one, something I've wanted to do for a long time. Uh, very passionate about uh, a lot of topics. Uh, the focus on this these podcasts uh, will be we'll break them down into to more bite-sized kind of consumable um, buckets, but it's going to be around college fantasy, uh, pro NFL uh, fantasy, um, and then just kind of weekly takes or bi-weekly takes on kind of the world of, of sports in general, but with a focus on NBA, NFL, and college football. Um, this first uh, episode or first rendition, it's called A Draft, Be Very Kind, uh, this is a first attempt. I'm still trying to figure out a lot of the uh, nuances around production, um, but it's it's meant to be a labor of love and, and fun, and I'm hoping some folks here out there will, will enjoy this and uh, pick it up. If not, no worries. Um, lastly, uh, just on the episode itself, I was joined by a longtime close uh, friend, um, diehard sports fan. You know, just so give context, we're um, we're both from the Bay Area. This uh, FS uh, Collective is is a Bay Area, uh, San Francisco Bay Area based uh, publication, um, and so there is some natural bias here in the sense of um, big fan of the local teams, but I have appreciation for for all talent. And uh, on this particular podcast, um, you'll hear us talk about kind of recent NBA news, uh, kind of Warriors, obviously local interest, and in, and in talk about dynasty, but specifically national around um, some of the the free agency um, and the most timely topic, and the thing that's going to captivate us for most of the rest of summer as we think about the fall and the upcoming NBA season is going to be LeBron James and the LA Lakers. We talked about that. Um, but I hope you enjoy it. Um, and, uh, you know, if you have comments or questions or things that you want to uh, provide constructive feedback, feel free to always reach out and let us know. Thanks. With that, um, turn it off to a little little music intro and then we'll get on with the, the podcast thanks bye bye this is america don't get you slipping now don't get you slipping now look what i'm whipping now this is america don't get you slipping now don't get you slipping now look what i'm whipping now this is america don't get you slipping now look how i'm living now police be tripping now this is America. Comes in my area. I got the strap. I got a carry. Okay. FS Collective. Uh, we're here. Inaugural draft podcast. Got uh, got my boy here. Uh, MC MCB. <laughs> Leave it at that. Um, and uh, this is going to be kind of week in review or a couple weeks in review. Just talk about some topics, uh, which you can see in the in the notes. Um, but we're going to kick it off, uh, and, uh, just kind of jump in here. So a couple of things, you know, in the last month we've had some, uh, some interesting, uh, sporting events. Um, I'm going to kick it off with the Warriors, um, and just their, their sheer dominance the last four years. Uh, you know, what, what do you think? Um, well, first off, welcome to the podcast. Hello, everybody. He's, he, he, he'll be talkative. Don't worry. He'll, he'll pick it up. But uh, let's jump into the, the some of the topics. So we're going to we're going to talk about, as I mentioned, the, the Warriors um, and the, the dynasty. Um, so a question for you is, is is this a dynasty? 
so this is MCB. I I uh, I can't see how it's not a dynasty. Like I don't know any rational person, including my four year old, when you explain to them four trips to the finals, three championships in four years, versus what has been deemed a dynasty in the past. Uh, you know, this is definitely a dynasty. It's it's the it's the only dynasty of the last decade I can think of in the NBA. So, yes. Yeah, it's it's interesting. Um, Five thirty eight, which does some great uh, analytics on this. Um, they they suggest that this is the best four year run in NBA history, even uh, including those great Celtics teams in the sixties, um, just for sheer regular season postseason performance. Um, so uh, so the question would be uh, to follow up on this: is 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 Golden State's dominance going to continue? Right. So Golden State's got, uh, people think of it as young team. Um, and average age 28 but but you know they're a little bit older than people expect there's a lot of good young teams coming up like the boston's the the philadelphia sixers um and even as we talk a little bit lebron moving to the lakers there's some there's some threats out there um so will their dominance continue what, what's your take on that i i don't see why not and they've done a masterful job the last couple of years of buying second round picks to to fill roles at where well in the grand scheme of things they're not game changers they are players that other teams were asleep on that that were key contributors um and we were talking about it earlier i think the the biggest ingredient to this whole thing is a lack of ego which i think is uh is rare in this day and age and the fact that these guys all know their roles and they seem content with not one being the superstar or one sort of standing above the rest which is the antithesis of the modern LeBron era, I think, is is a uh, is an ingredient. As long as they can stay healthy, they're still relatively young. I think they have at least four or five years left in them. So, what about the uh, you know Draymond going off the rails and um, you know murdering someone at a bar, um, or Durant just getting yeah, or just Durant getting yeah, Durant getting bored or something? Like, what's your take? I, I mean, I think it's just there's this, it's this intangible thing that I can't pretend like I know what the hell's going on, but it seems like there's a chemistry there that is hard to disrupt. Uh, yeah, and I, I don't, you know, they've they've kind of gone through a stress test the last three years at least, knowing that they were the best team in the league, and nothing's there hasn't been any fractures that I've seen, and I it seems like that's that's the formula, which is again from my perspective, it's sort of rejuvenated my enthusiasm for the NBA, which is was becoming such an isolation ball league and in such a um and it was a reason why we the US was periodically losing to like European countries and Argentina in the Olympics because it's it's a uh, it's becoming about the superstars not about the the team play and so I, I think that my sense is they're bought in it's the very thing that binds them in order for this thing to fall apart like something sort of seismic would need to happen I don't foresee that happening yeah it's a great point um, they're definitely light years ahead. Uh, make a make a pun on their owner. I mean, you know, I do I do think there's some pitfalls there with Durant doing the one year the one year contract, and uh, you know, you sort of have to cater to his whims. You do have the 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 Draymond. Can he go off the rails? Um, I, I I personally think uh, Clay, and especially listening to some of his dad's comments during the finals, during and then after Game Seven or Game Four, sorry. Uh, it was very clear that that the sort of the 
the feeling among them was like, this is a team that's very special and you should play this thing out for the next four or five, six, seven years. In your senses, he listens to his dad. His dad is more important than his agent. I, you know, you never know. I, I, I obviously, I don't know Clay, um, but my guess is that family's important. They seem like a tight family. He was there every game. And then he's been through the, the trials and tribulations of a pro career himself, played for multiple teams, was on a, a great dynasty-oriented Lakers team in the 80s, um, and he talked about that. So I, I suspect that advice will, will go a long way. But You should have my father-in-law on the show. He, he used to live in Santa Margarita, and he would track uh, Michael Thompson down at the, the local Gelson's and just pepper him with questions. And he said that he was totally like friendly and, and open to answer whatever question um, – so we'll try to arrange uh, Michael Schoenfeld to have an appearance here on this podcast. Nice. And, and a shout out to Gelson's. Great uh, Whole Foods, high-end kind of uh, West L.A. kind of or, or high-end Southern California grocer. Um, okay, let's, let's, let's pivot here a little bit, stay on the topic of, of NBA. Uh, the big news of this week um, is free agency. Um, but the biggest news of free agency is is the King, um, who made a selection to go to the Lakers with a four-year, $154 million deal. Um, how do you think this changes the Lakers, Western Conference, um, if anything, kind of Warriors? Uh, does it impact it? Does it change the balance of power at all? Kind of what's your take? Yeah, I, I think we should preface all this discussion with uh, yeah, being upfront with our biases here that we're Warriors fans, so... It's going to affect our perception, but I, I think that might, I mean, obviously it makes the Lakers a lot better. It makes them relevant again. Uh, you know, there's going to be more games on TNT and national broadcast games. I, I think it potentially could stunt the growth of some of their, their youth because they're, they're going to defer so much to LeBron. And again, personal bias. There have been isolation teams that have, have won championships, but I think that they're going to sort of, um, it'll prevent them from learning the style of play that obviously has become successful in the modern era. And so I, I, I think it's potentially it's, there's going to be a short-term reward for the Warriors. Obviously they're going to be light years better than they were before, but from a, from a player development standpoint, understanding sort of spacing and passing, uh, I, I think they could regress with their youth. Yeah, I I also take the other side. I think the Lakers have tremendous young talent. I I think they're a couple of years away. I, I just don't think that you roll in and and Lonzo is tracking well from one year in. Um, he's incredibly talented. Ingram looks really good. Kuzma, Josh Hart. I mean, they've got a ton of of young good players, um, but they need to learn how to win. And and LeBron will be great for that. But it's it's not going to happen this year. Um, although who knows? We still got Leonard out there. Um, you know, when you think about the, uh, you know, one other thing I want to talk about before we shift off and, and go to, go to a little, um, NFL college and talk a little fantasy, um, is OKC. You know, I think, um, if you look at in 2012, they had the ability to re-sign James Harden and they would have had the triplet of Harden, Russ, uh, Westbrook and Kevin Durant who have won uh, collectively three of the last five MVPs, by the way, and the back the last two. Um, and uh, they would have had all three of those pieces in place. So you can't guarantee they would have won a title, but they would have been in a really good position. In fact, at a, at a tender age, I think all of them were under 22 or 23 years old in 2012 when they w made the finals um, and ultimately lost to the Miami Heat. Um, but the irony of this is that 
as everyone knows, they traded Harden before the 13 season because they, he was due for an extension the following year and they he wouldn't accept a below market deal. So they traded him to Houston. He flourished in Houston. Um, and then ultimately that led to the downfall at Durant. It's one of the things he's referenced when he was leaving is he really wanted a, a team and an ownership that was willing to, to compete and, and do whatever it took in terms of cost. Fast forward today with, with Paul George signed up, they will now have a massive tax bill and they're looking at kind of a top four or five playoff seed max with their current talent with a, an aging roster. Um, so what do you think about that irony in, in that less than six years they went from a team not willing to pay a tax but have the assets to create a dynasty to now where they're kind of a middling team but paying uh, arguably the largest tax actually in the history of the NBA next year depending on how the rest of their roster rolls out and how Houston and Golden State finish up? Yeah, I'm not going to shed any tears for the Thunder just because I I, I wish they were still in Seattle and the, I think that that uh, yeah I don't know the whole the whole way it went down with Charles Schultz and not Charles Schultz uh, Howard Schultz sort of swindling him and getting him to move to to Oklahoma City which isn't even I don't think from a DMA standpoint is not even a top forty city in the country but it's I it, I just I don't have a good answer for that other than that that. Uh, I think they probably were not the most savvy business operations people, but they were savvy at getting a team to a region of the country where they wanted there to be a team to be relevant. Um, I think it's my selfish take is that it's it's better for the NBA in general, for, for Oklahoma City to not be sort of a power broker in the NBA. It's, it's The market itself is new, and it's, it's sort of has a team by that they acquired with sort of bizarre circumstances and means yeah i'm 100 percent in alignment with you on that one i i've uh i just you know seattle deserves a team in my humble opinion and o oklahoma city well i'm sure a fantastic city um in place is definitely a small town um and i just you know and i i do think the circumstances around the team and even one of the owners had committed a tremendous amount of fraud and then killed himself a year ago as he's being investigated by the federal government um, for for fixing contracts with the government, um, there's just a lot of weirdness there, and uh, so I don't shed a tear either. Although I feel bad for the Oklahoma City fans who could have witnessed uh, truly. In the podcast, we'll be talking about college football, which is that's what people there really care about. This is more sort of a dinner date destination. Yeah, that's a great call. Um, actually, so that's a great segue. Um, obviously, we can talk about NBA and kind of what's going on for, for hours. But uh, I think those are the big topics. And it'll be interesting to see how the rest of free agency plays out. Um, but to finish off, I kind of want to talk a little bit about um, fantasy, um, specifically kind of college pro, and then talk a little bit about college football in particular, um, as MCB mentioned earlier. A uh, big uh, college football fan is an Oregon Duck um, uh, by by education and a huge fan. Um, and I am a, a Bay Area resident, so a big Pac-12 fan in general. But we've both been playing um, college fantasy football for a long time. Well, um, I've been playing it off and on. I keep getting kicked out out of the league I'm in because for reasons we'll discuss later. But why why uh, though college football? I would prefer it any day. Over NFL fantasy becomes a distraction. Uh, so that's a good. Yes, yeah, so you just answered one of my questions, which was going to be uh, college or pro. So I, I get the college thing. Um, so actually, since we're on the topic, I'd love to understand what is the story of, of why you uh, were and weren't uh, in and out of the league. I actually don't know the specifics of that. 
So for context, I, I've been the league that uh, J-Dub and I both have participated in. I, I'm no longer in the league. Uh, is 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 the the commissioner is a bit of a tyrant, and if you don't think do things sort of the way they want them to be done, you you are harshly criticized and and swiftly kicked out of the league. So the the two times I've gotten kicked out, once was I forgot to set my lineup for consecutive weeks, and again that's a byproduct of my not for my lack of enthusiasm for college football. There's nothing in the world um, besides my family that I love more than college football. It is that I get up in the morning at nine o'clock watching the Big Ten games, uh, and I don't turn off the TV till the Mountain West game or the Pac-12 game ends at eleven thirty, um, much to the annoyance of my family. In in that process and that enthusiasm to watch all those games and sort of the randomness where every game counts. And in you know if you lose in week two, it could have profound effects on your that team's ability um, to win a national championship. I often just forget to set my lineup because I really don't give a shit. Uh, and I, I care way more about the, the scenarios of, you know, which conferences are, are winning their non-conference games, which are positioning those teams to hopefully – or in that conference to, to get into the playoff, those sort of things. Like, that's what consumes my thoughts on Saturday. On Sunday, I kind of passively watch NFL, um, but I make it a point to set my lineup – much like I would a Dungeons and Dragons game. Like I, I, I understand the details, but I care less about the actual outcome of the teams. Therefore I have more um, regard and care for the, this game where I pick individual players from teams and put them into my lineup. It's, I can kind of decouple those things. Whereas with college football, it's, it's very hard because um, I, I, I pay an unhealthy amount of attention about the matchups and what it means. And therefore the, the fantasy element is sort of lost on me. Okay, that's great. I uh, I didn't actually know all those those details, uh, so that's good. So I let's let's talk. Uh, jump into um, specifics, and we'll we'll kind of finish up here. I, I'm curious. Uh, huge Oregon fan, obviously follow the Pac-12 a lot. Okay, we'll, we'll we'll come back to we'll come back. Um, but th- so let's fin- we'll finish the thought on this, and then I'd love to talk a little bit about your prognosis or your projections for um, Oregon and Pac-12 in general, and just like throw out some names, skill position players you think are going to uh, really emerge this year. So for college football, hold on, I want to finish my last point. The second time I got kicked out was not for, for not setting my lineup. It was, for, although this, the commissioner will never admit to this, but I, I just started a new job the day after Labor Day. And uh, if you recall in 2016, Alabama killed uh, USC in a neutral site game and Jalen Hurts became the quarterback and I had Jalen Hurts on my team but I was so consumed with work the commissioner who also has a team in the league offered me a deal for Jalen Hurts uh, and I I just neglected to give him a yes or a no <laughs> and that, that was the uh, reason I got kicked out so skill position players for um, for the Pac-12 obviously again my bias is here I think Justin Herbert is a Heisman candidate. I think he's his supporting cast and them moving to a new system with Mario Cristobal in Oregon and running the ball more may hurt him. Um, he doesn't have a ton of receivers in their, their starting running back is Tony Brook James, who is 180 pounds, so he's going to struggle to sort of run between the tackles, although they do have a, de- a decent amount of um, prospects. Obviously, Bryce Love is uh, is – you know, he's the Heisman runner-up. He should have won it. It's, it's uh, I feel like the Heisman voting is like 
they gerrymander like modern politicians where the, the West Coast is always going to have a hard time to winning. Uh, and then uh, the, I forget his name, the quarterback at Arizona. He he's he's the real deal. What's his name again? Quiley uh, Hill? Quiley uh, something or other. Put J-Dub. Tate, sorry, Quiley Tate, my bad. <laughs> I put J-Dub on the spot there. Uh, and, and Browning and Washington, the quarterback there, he's great. Um, yeah, th- there's there's no shortage of skill position players. Obviously, the Pac-12 is depleted of two first-round draft picks at quarterback for SE and UCLA. Um I think Stanford's quarterback Costello is iffy, but he's he's probably an upgrade from the guy they they had before. Palo Alto alum, who's now at University of Tennessee, Keller Christ. Um, yeah, I don't know much about ASU, Cal. I, I can't think of anybody specifically, but I'll, I'll pass it back to you, Watson. Yeah, Cal has just announced this week actually lost uh, five-star recruit and future NFL wide receiver Demetrius Robertson announced that he was. He was transferring, which is uh, disappointing for Pac-12 and specifically for for Cal Bears. Uh, they didn't uh, say where he was going. Actually, just he announced that he was he was leaving. Um, no, he was a he was a true true junior. He was going to be a true junior. Um, his final two sc- final three schools were Alabama, Stanford, and Cal. He was a very good student um, and went with Cal. I think Stanford. He never actually got admitted to Stanford. He came out and said. <laughs> he did not go with Alabama. That was that was a that was an interesting call. Um, yeah, it's an interesting div, uh, conference this year. I feel like uh, if you look at the teams, it's a little bit more wide open. Uh, the favorites this year in the North are Washington, um, and I think obviously Oregon's as a, a great team. Oregon's and a year away, or yeah, they don't quite have the talent. They, they're going to have a good defense this year, but they lost uh, second, third round pick on the offensive line. They. they third round pick at running back they're gonna struggle a bit i think yeah and i think uh if you look at the south um usc is always a favorite even when they're not very good um everyone loves them you know it's kind of like the west west coast two decades running top 10 recruiting classes if they're not a favorite then they're doing something wrong uh as i like to say you could throw me out there as a coach and i'd still win seven or eight games so well, I certainly wouldn't be drinking beers all day long in the office. Um, so anyhow, uh, yeah, it's interesting. I, I think there'll be some talent there. I, you know, the, I guess the, the last question here, um, just since we, we do know the Pac-12 so well, and, and we'll get into other conferences as we get closer to, uh, to kind of fantasy draft season mid-August. Um, but, you know, who do you think are going to be kind of the – the best teams in the Pac-12, um, and then who, who, anyone you think is going to be kind of a surprise and, and kind of step up? Yeah, so I'm not, I'm not going to pretend to know each team's depth chart, so this is a little haphazard, but uh, I think Washington's, their run is going to go a couple more years here, and this is partly based on the recruiting classes and depth. Um, I think I'm, my, if you look at the 2019 recruiting, recruiting class, Oregon's now number four in the nation, and they seem to have it together with uh, Mario Cristobal and Willie Taggart having gone to to Florida State. Uh, it seems to have been a positive thing. Uh, of course, Stanford has Bryce Love, and they have a returning quarterback, and they always seem to have a decent team, a, a gritty defense. I always worry about their depth, though. They struggle to sort of their second, their reserve players tend to be a step down from the rest of the Pac-12 just because of the academic requirements, I think. 
And then again, uh, Arizona with Khalil Tate. I'm not sure what surrounds him there, but that guy showed himself to be a pretty dynamic athlete last year. And at one point he was like the Heisman favorite, like in week 10, and he kind of regressed after that. But just him alone, I think, makes them interesting and, and worth watching. And I will begrudgingly throw SC in there, again, because they always have top talent because they year after year after year have a top 10 recruiting class. Um, I'm not sure who their quarterback is after Darnold leaving, but they, they of course, will be good. And they, I, you know, SC, because by virtue of being in Southern California and getting these great recruits, I always sort of begrudgingly want them to do well only because you need um, sort of we need them to be the tip of the spear to, to make the West Coast relevant and to potentially take on the SEC powers who love to gloat about their their uh, their conference dominance by the way what other conference when any team wins they ch- they chant the conference's name that's the strangest thing i can't i can't get over that phenomenon like it's a it's definitely a regional thing and it's in the south and it's 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 a bizarre thing which is a good segue actually to another question i had and we can we'll finish up there is uh Will the Pac-12 um, kind of join that rank this year and be part of the college football playoff, or do you think because they've got that extra uh, conference game, they'll end up being left out again? Sure. I, I sure hope not. I mean, it's it's a numbers game, right? There's the Big Five, and there should be four of those Big Five conferences uh, represented in the playoff, which would give them an 80% chance, but they, they obviously got – knocked out last year and there's two sec teams which bothered me uh and the, and the second sec team ended up winning the national championship i i don't know i, I don't have a good sense of of uh of how good they're going to be but the non-conference is key i know uh oregon has a very watered down non-conference because texas a&m backed out of a deal they're playing bowling green uh san jose state and portland state so that's not going to help the conference i think is Stanford playing anybody relevant? I mean, Notre Dame, they play them every year, but who else? Do you know? I don't. I don't. I but think as a conference, they're going to struggle as a non-conference. Yeah. Um, okay, so we're going to finish up with uh, one little fun thing here. So um, MCB here is uh, taking a um, uh, summer trip starting tomorrow so just to, to, to give you context we're phil we're uh, taping this on sunday evening about an hour after lebron james's uh, infamous announcement but he's going to visit some in-laws in uh, cleveland ohio so i'm curious are you excited to kind of see them hear the morale like how, how are you going to kind of uh, mix and match with these folks over this uh, really somber news yeah so I, i've been actually putting a lot of thought into this <laughs> um, leading up to this trip i have a shirt i bought last year um it's the same shirt that that draymond wore at the parade last year the quickie shirt and i was contemplating bringing it out there but i, I that seems like kind of a dick move so i'm not going to do that uh, and now the, in their current state I, I i might just not wear anything any of my warriors gear my kids do have a fair amount of warriors gear so i they, they could be wearing it around the streets of uh Northeast Ohio, which hopefully will not start anything. I, my sense is their ire, the 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 sort of collective ire of of the region will be more towards LeBron and just sort of the nature of the NBA and less towards the Warriors. Um, and I definitely, it's not my goal to 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 provoke that ire. I I just I, I my heart goes out to them. Like it's a it's a I, I, like I was telling Jay Dub earlier. It's sort of indicative 
or symbolic of the Rust Belt in general. Like it's people, if if money is no object and left to their own devices, are going to choose to live elsewhere. And I just sort of it's but th there's still qualities about the Rust Belt I really like, or Cleveland in general, or Ohio. I, I lived for Ohio, lived in Ohio for a year, um, and there's it has its own charm. Uh, but you know it's hard to deny the weather's difficult and the lack of industry makes it hard now losing LeBron I just sort of feel bad for those folks yeah well said well hey I really appreciate it it's been fun um, we're gonna miss you for a couple weeks but uh, um, you know you're gonna have a great time Cleveland's actually a, a better town than people people realize we're going, we're going to Canton we're gonna check out the Pro Football Hall of Fame and Cleveland will probably go to the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame so I mean that's pretty unique right for yeah. for area within 100 miles you can go to two sort of american institutions their their halls of fame so yeah that's actually on my bucket list i lived in ohio myself at one point in my life too and we i, ne I never it. i never did canton so we drove by it on our way to lewisburg pennsylvania you remember that i i don't but <laughs> <laughs> there was a lot of things i did in my uh late teens early 20s that i don't remember um i actually do vaguely remember driving by it a couple Stadium times because there's a freeway yeah, yeah exactly so, okay, hey, well, this has been great, uh, a lot of fun, um, and uh, have a great trip um, this summer. Um, thank you, everybody, and uh, catch you um, shortly. Bye-bye. Before we leave, let me tell y'all a little something. Uptown, funk you up. Uptown, funk you up. Uptown, funk you up. Uptown, funk you up. I said, Uptown, funk you up. Uptown, funk you up. Yeah. Hey.